Matthew 3, 7 through 10. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore, produce fruit consistent with repentance. And don't presume to say to yourself, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God is able to raise up children for Abraham from these stones. The axe is already at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Wow, that is an intense verse. Matthew 3, 7 through 10. I cannot wait to dig into what this really means. But first, I'm super excited to introduce you to our uh, special guest, my one and only brother, Ty Schmidt. He's very intense as well and intelligent. Ty, how you doing? I'm doing good. <laughs> Thanks for driving here all the way from Madison, Wisconsin. Thank you. Yeah. Doing good. Yeah. It's good to have you on the show. It's your first time on the show. Yes, it is. Love by the King. Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Yes. So Ty's my youngest and only brother. So two years younger. And... Um, we got along pretty good, didn't we, growing up? Or not? Not really. Should we get into that? Should we just skip that part? It's up to you. <laughs> That's up to you. <laughs> we had our moments. Um, but Ty, tell us about yourself. What do you do in Madison? Tell us about your immediate family and mm -hmm. your ministries and stuff like that. Yep. So uh, my name's Ty, as Reagan said. Um, married to Carrie, uh, my wife. We've been married for 25 years, I believe. Um, have three sons. Aaron is our oldest. Andrew is our middle. And Austin is our youngest son. Um, I work at a property management company um, in Madison and do some ministry uh, outside of that uh, forgiven and free I'm, I'm currently leading it as an interim leader which is it's a um, sexual addiction uh, group for men and um, <clears throat> try to get guys free of, of sexual addiction so I'm currently leading that in, in the interim between leaders and uh, my wife and I also lead a small group in our home a church small group <clears throat> um, and then besides that, uh, I do some discipling of some, some young guys. Yeah, so. seems like you're always discipling a lot of guys is what it seems like, which is through the years, which I've really admired. Yeah, so that's awesome. Um, I like to ask our guests, most of them that come through here, what brought you to this place now that you're at that as a child you went through and that now you see God using in your life for her, his purposes today? Yeah, I think I think a lot of things uh, that happened in my childhood, um, God, I see God using, um, and I'll, I guess we'll talk about this a little bit later. But uh, we grew up in a, a house that had um, substance abuse, so um, like looking back on that, you think, you know, how could God use that? But He's He definitely does use that. Um, there's a lot of emotional trauma and a lot of just feelings of being unloved or abandoned. Um, and I've had to work through a lot of that stuff, but um, God is definitely... Actually, the, those those most difficult things are a lot of times the things that he does the most with. So 
Um, I would definitely say all of the things surrounding, uh, you know, substance abuse and, and trauma and stuff like that as, as a kid growing up in that. Um, another thing that we'll probably talk about a little bit later, but um, I got introduced to pornography when I was like six or seven years old. And, it, and, it, and from there on, I was... Um, involved in that um that also has been something that god has used in my life even though you know that's a very negative negative thing um but it's just i've i've been amazed at how god can take evil and negative things and bring good out of them so he's used all those things for the most part and other things amen and you have an incredible, powerful testimony that I've told bits and pieces um, publicly and through the podcast. But let's hear it from the horse's mouth. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, brief, briefly, a brief um, synopsis is just basically that, um, like, we grew up in a non-Christian home. Uh, parents were not religious at all. Um, there was substance abuse in our home, as as I said earlier. Um, so just growing up in that and all the, all the things that go with that, um, by the time I was in, in sixth grade, I, I had gotten drunk for the first time, you know, sixth grade, whatever age that is, that's pretty young. And by seventh grade, I was, um, I'd gotten high for the first time. Um, and then, uh, through high school that all of that just progressed, um, as to where by my senior year I was not doing well. I, w I, I had substance abuse of my own at that point. Um, I was also, obviously, I was, I was addicted to pornography, as I said earlier at that point. Um, my my grades and, you know, school was not important to me. You know, I was basically a habitual truant. I, I, I was a fifth year senior. I had to become a fifth year senior because my grades were so horrendous because um, I barely showed up to school. Um, and I really didn't have any any future I, or I didn't see myself as having any kind of a future. A lot of my friends at that time around my senior year we're starting to dabble into um more hard drugs like um you know like acid and and then eventually cocaine and after you know after that it just got worse but um i didn't i didn't really i was i liked smoking pot but I felt nervous about progressing in, into harder drugs for some reason, which I'm actually thankful for. But um, I kind of felt they were, it was it was kind of like a peer, peer pressure thing too. Like they were moving in that direction and I didn't want to move in that direction. And I could, I could feel our friendships slipping away where they were chasing the drugs. Mm -hmm. And having come from a family where I felt I was abandoned in my family and then having my close friends who, I, who I'd have for for years these were my close friends we were we were a family They're to like each other family. yeah mm -hmm. and they they began to abandon me so um that was around my senior year and I started to just feel like my life was just going absolutely nowhere and um 
I felt like, you know, my job was a dead end. I didn't feel like I had any future and everybody else was having a future because they were all deciding what they were going to do after high school. Some people were going to college. Some people were, you know, had, they just had plans. And I, and I just felt like my life was going nowhere. And, um, one night, uh, a friend of mine went out to a, 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 a road. It was literally called Lonely Lane. and um, Lonely that's, Lane. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. And that's how I felt. Right. And that's not why we were there. We just went there because it was in the middle of the country. And we'd go out and we'd talk about girls. We'd smoke cigarettes. And so we met out there, you know, drove our cars out there. We met out there, listened to music. And we we're just hanging out. And... Um, I didn't know hardly anything about God. I knew that he existed. I, at least I sensed that he existed. Um, but I didn't know much about him. And I just, that night, uh, I felt like, I don't know if it was a vision or, or what it was, but I, I felt like God was trying to get my attention very, very strongly. I'd never felt that way before. And I felt like he was pulling the rug out from underneath me. And um, and what was underneath that rug was just a dark black pit. And that was where I was headed. And it scared me. And my friend didn't even know this was going on. Like, this was literally happening while I was there with him. So would you say you had a vision? I don't know if it was, I don't know. It, that's what I see when I think back on it. But I don't know if that's what I saw at the time. Mm -hmm. But that's how I felt. I know that's how I felt. But you definitely had an encounter. Oh, yeah. There was definitely, because it came out of nowhere. And I went home that night feeling all these weird emotions and, and being, like, really concerned about, like, what this all meant. And I knew that um, Dad had a um, Bible on his dresser drawer and which I didn't know <laughs> I'm glad you knew <laughs> I, yeah I well because I yeah we'll get into the semantics okay, yeah, but I passed yeah. by it all the time because because yeah. the shower was in their sure. their bedroom so I would pass by it all the time I would see it and I knew it was there he I don't know why he had it that's the question that I because he know he didn't read the Bible but he had it sitting up there and so something inside of me was like, you need to read, you need to grab that Bible and, and see what this is all about. You need to read it. So I grabbed it. I went into my room and I, and I could feel as I was reading it, I started in Genesis because that's how you read a book. I just started at the beginning. Um, and I, and I could feel in my bedroom I felt like there was a war going on mm. in my bedroom. Now, what does that mean? I don't know. I just know that that's what it, that's what it felt like. Like there was a, something going on that I couldn't see. And it was very, like, it was strange. So over the next few months, I was reading and reading and reading. And at times I would be like kind of in tears, like, why didn't anybody ever tell me about this before? Like, uh, where has this been, you know, my whole life? Because um, you felt so alone and abandoned. And yeah, yeah. If you would well, have known God, the Father loved you. Right, exactly. Yeah, why didn't anybody tell me that? Um, but I, over those nights, I mean, I, I would see, uh, like, Charles Stanley on TV and Billy Graham on those shows, and I would, like, oh, my antenna were up, and I would watch those. And I think, basically, I think I became a Christian, like, over those programs, learning about Jesus and about what he did. And um, and that's how, that's how I became a Christian. So 
Yeah. So I'm curious, you grabbed the Bible and you started reading it and you knew something, you knew it was true. Yes. As you were reading it. Yes. And, but did you have um, the moment where you were like, okay, God, if this is true, I want you. I don't want this other stuff. Or was it just a progression in your um, faith? I think it was a progression over a few months. I don't remember an exact point where I, where I said I want Jesus. I just know that I heard about Jesus through the television, and I wanted that. And I do remember a couple of times where... Um, I knew that what I was because I was still I was still half in and out of the party scene kind of at that time. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to figure out how to do this, you know, because I didn't really have any guidance. I mean, I, we would be out completely hammered at a party, me and my friend Josh. Mm-hmm. And and we'd be like, we're going to church tomorrow. You know, we'd be telling everybody we're going to church tomorrow. You guys want to go? <laughs> you know, OK, guys, you know, but but like that's we we're trying to figure out what it, what it was about. And um I remember one time realizing um, that maybe some of these things weren't, you know, I think I knew that, but I I just, I didn't know how how this all worked. So I remember a couple points where I felt convicted, basically, you need to stop drinking and then you you need to stop smoking. And I'm, and I'm like, how, I'm not going to be able to do that. There's no way I'll be able to stop drinking and stop smoking. That's impossible. And basically what I did was I was like, God, I, I remember like kneeling on my floor in my bedroom and being like, God, I know that I cannot stop. I started with, was it, I don't remember if I started with both of them at the same time, but I was like, I know that, I think it was smoking. I'm like, I know that I cannot stop smoking. I mean, I can't do it. Um, if you would help me stop for 30 days, for a month, then. I'll do that. You know, it was kind of like, I don't know. If then. Yeah. 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 I, I, yeah. That's, I was just trying to figure this out. So, yeah. um, I, I, I would, I would, I said, I would, you know, put my effort into it if he would, if he would help me and, and it worked and I, and I did stop for 30 days. And once the 30 days hit, I was like, and I felt miserable throughout the whole thing because I was going through withdrawal and stuff like that. And you were but like 18 then? I was probably 18. Yep. And, uh, and I, and I was like, cause I had been smoking since I was like in fifth grade, <laughs> I would steal dad's cigarettes and Kent smoke golden in lights. the living room. <laughs> Kent golden lights. Yeah. And Durrell's. Yeah. And anyway, um, once the 30 days hit, I was like, okay, well, if we could do this for 30 days, we can do it for longer. Yeah. So would you help me to continue to do this? And he did. And and I don't smoke now. So, <laughs> yeah. And drinking, that happened pretty similar with drinking, too. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so then you were just on, kind of on fire for Jesus after this. And we're not going to get totally into it, but I just want people to have perspective of, like, you know, then I'd get phone calls in college that you were on State Street, you know, preaching the gospel. So it was like, wow. You know, it was like from here to here. Yeah. And just a total change and shift in your lifestyle, which I was so grateful about because I was afraid for your life for so many years. I mean, either your friends, you know, um, were in jail, had died or had died by suicide, which was, uh, you know, a horrible time that, you know, you just kept hearing that. 
as you were going along, you know, this road. Um, and so thank God the Lord showed you the pit where you were going. But what brought you here right now today? Like you're, you quit drinking, you quit smoking, you're married, you have three kids. How did I get here? Yeah. <laughs> That's a long story. <laughs> yeah, but it's all the you... Lord, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, it's well, all. Yeah. I mean, it's the Lord bringing me through my stupidity, mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. And, key, and continuing to show me grace as I've made about 10 gazillion mistakes and, and made mistakes in my marriage, made my mistakes with parenting, made mistakes in my job. Um, he's, he's been faithful. I've made mistakes. I made mistakes where I started drinking again and smoking again. Uh, so, but then he freed you from it again. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's basically, you know, I'm the, I'm like a dog on a leash that won't walk and he's dragging me along half the time is what it feels like. But you know, yeah, yeah. He hasn't given up on, on me. And because of that, I'm, I'm realizing, okay, maybe, you know, maybe I should, Put a little more effort into this. <laughs> well, praise God. And you are very, very versed in the Bible. You've been reading, you know, you started, you know, when you were 18, but then even as a young married couple, I mean, you, you, I mean, you, we joke that um, you made your kids read commentary as they were growing up and they were like, I don't know if that's totally true, but <laughs> it's, it's, well, we would do family devotions and yeah. sometimes I'd be reading out of commentaries. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they're not dumb. <laughs> they're smart, pretty smart kids. <laughs> well, I mean, they're not even dumb at that young age. They're smarter they than we think. They can absorb a ton. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> Especially Andy. Um, okay, awesome. Thank you for that. I mean, there's you have such a huge testimony, and it's so powerful. But I love that, you know, you your heart was probably seeking the Lord, but it's not like that day you were like, God, please help me, right? I mean, you just ended up doing your life, and... God just came to you, you know, and oh, that day, yeah, on and lonely, lonely road. And lonely I wasn't lane. looking for God at all. Yeah, it's amazing. But He was looking for you. Yes, and He wanted you because He loves you. So that is just a beautiful story. Um, okay, so let's a little bit, and this will all be organic as we get into the scriptures, more of your story. But with your passion for the Bible and God's true word, um, and that you have been pouring out um, into people with the word for so long. How did you, you know, you had that moment, you know, when you opened the Bible, but how do you think God started to actually speak to you through the scriptures when you didn't, when you weren't saved yet? Or do you think you were saved? Um, I think God's word is powerful. I don't, I don't think I was saved at that point that I, that I know of. So, I mean, that's always hard to determine when exactly somebody mm-hmm. gets saved. But but I think his word is, is extremely powerful. I mean, I've heard stories of people that I know who were on drugs and couldn't read any of the magazines on the coffee table. But then they opened the because the words were all jumbled in there. It didn't make sense. And then opened the Bible and could read every word. Amen. So, I mean, I think... God's word is extremely powerful and if you read it I think that's why a lot of people don't read it cuz they don't they it's it's confronting, it's confronting and it's and powerful. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. sharper than double-edged sword. Yes. Yeah, that is super cool. Yeah. 
Amen. So if you're listening, get a Bible, open the Bible. Jesus loves you. God, the father loves you. And he wants a relationship with you. So Ty, let's go back to the text, Matthew three, seven through 10. Um, and so here is John the Baptist, right? And he's making a way for the Lord. He's telling everyone Jesus is coming and he's baptizing people with water. And here come along the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Can you tell us who the Pharisees and the Sadducees are? Yes. Um, okay. So the so this the Sadducees. We'll start with the Sadducees. The Sadducees were um, basically political liberals and religious conservatives. Okay. So. Um, and the Pharisees were the, kind of the opposite of that, but they're kind of a small aristocratic and priestly sect um, in that time. So we're not talking about modern day because none of that makes any sense modern day. But but back then, um, they were kind of the the family line aristocrat arist arist. Dottle, or how do you say that? <laughs> Aristocracy or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, Aristocracy. Aristocracy. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, they so like. They, as a group, had made peace with the Roman government. The Roman government was very much disliked by the Jewish people because they were um, they were kind of they kind of the Jewish people were kind of um, made to be under Rome, uh, the the nation of of Israel. So um, the Israel the Israelites didn't really look at the Roman government favorably, but the but the Sadducees had had made peace with them. Um, they they would not believe this is pretty important they would not believe any doctrine that was not in the first five books of moses hmm. so therefore they did not the believe in in mm -hmm. angels and mm -hmm. they did not believe mm -hmm. in the resurrection and that's one of the reasons why they had such a hard time with with the resurrection of jesus sure. or with some of his claims sure and some of they that didn't believe prophecy because the, they didn't read isaiah no. or yeah, yeah got it that's a really good point yeah mm -hmm. the pharisees on the other hand, they were a lar larger group than the Sadducees. Um, they were more popular with the people, the community of, of Jewish people, um, teachers of the law um, in, in many ways, political conservatives and religious liberals. Um, they, they These are the guys where... where if you look back in history, in Jewish writings, the oral law, have you heard of that? Um, where it's like a fence around the biblical, the, the books of the Bible, they created an oral law to kind of, as a fence to keep you safer away from violating God's God's word. Sure, so, so kind of extra laws. Extra laws, That yeah, weren't in the Bible. That weren't in the that Bible. That man-made. Man-made, yeah, yeah, and that's not a good idea. Um, they viewed Rome as illegitimate, so they did not make peace with Rome, and they they were liked and respected by the average people. So okay, yeah. so that's the Pharisees and the Sadducees, yeah. and so they show up. John the Baptist is baptizing people, and he's saying, "Repent and be baptized." Um, and this is before Jesus was baptized. Yeah. So here's John the Baptist, and he's making a way for Jesus to come and. He, the Sadducees and Pharisees, he's yelling at them. He's like, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Why is he so mad? Um, why is he so mad? I think he's, I think he's mad. I think the text implies that he's, that he's mad because 
these people weren't coming to get baptized. It, it even the way it's stated in there, it doesn't. They came. Um, where, where, where's the? Let me just look it up here. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was, where he was baptizing, it's not saying they were coming to get baptized. They were coming to where he was baptized, and yeah, they they had no intention of of doing what all these other people were doing, which was repenting, and and wanting God to. Um, to kind of, they wanted, they wanted to get closer to God. These guys were coming to basically not to do that. And John knew that because he knew who these, what these people were like. They were, they were, I think there's a, it's a very dangerous place to be in religious authority. And they were the religious authorities of the day. And if you're a religious authority and you're, and you're not really following Jesus, that's a very dangerous place to be. So that's why he was mad at them. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, and he's calling them venomous snakes. And they're supposed to be the guys that know everything, right? right? And are all high and mighty, and this is what we know. And we're coming, and here's John the Baptist, like barely wearing anything and eating bees, and he's baptizing people with water. And it probably looked crazy to a lot of people. Yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, okay, so then the scripture goes on to say, therefore produce fruit consistent with repentance. Yes. So back then, so what is fruit consistent with repentance, Ty? Okay, so so back in when John was um, baptizing, um, it's it's not it's not I don't think it's that much different in the New Testament than it than it was in the Old Testament. But just to get just to get like an idea um, of what specifically John meant um, in the Gospel of Luke, uh, there's another account from Luke of of John's preaching and and what John was all about. And I'll just I'll just read it. But some people came to him and asked him after they're you know after they're baptized, okay, what do we do now? Mm-hmm. And so it's John, uh, or it's Luke chapter 3, uh, starting at verse 7. John said to the crowds coming out, nope, that's not it. What should we do then? It's, just, it's, it's verse 10. Okay, he said, somebody said, what should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than, than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. So, I mean, a lot of it is very practical. Yeah. I mean, um, notice one thing he didn't say to the soldiers, just interestingly, on a side note, is you need to you need to stop being a soldier. He didn't say that. Um, but it's basically, you know, basically concepts that were known in Judaism, you know, don't steal. You know, if somebody's in need, you should help them. Um, it's not going to be, it's, it's basically what it is, is how do we repent? We start doing what God has told us to do already. And what he's told us to do is in scripture. So it's, it's, it's not like... Um, you have to figure it out. You know, you have to have you have to have a heart that's willing to listen to God and God speaks through his word and that's how you know what you need to do. Right. 
And real quick, give us a short definition of repentance. Um, okay, so repentance, I have, I have an actual definition. I mean, it's, it's basically cha- a change of mind or attitude and action. So in, in, in this case, John was asking us here is to change their way of life as a result of a complete change of thought and attitude with regard to sin and righteousness. And that's a quote from a, from a commentary. But um, it's your, it, it, repentance is basically moving away from sin and moving to God. Um there's an there's a verse in in First John where it says um, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And confession is part of repentance, but confession I think where people get really confused in about repentance is that. We think um, if I confess, I've repented, and that's not necessarily true. If you confess, you're admitting what you did wrong. Mm-hmm. Repentance is turning the other direction and doing and doing something different in towards God that that is going to take you away from the bad actions that you were doing. Mm-hmm. So, um, and really at the heart level, it is you know at the ba- at its basic basic base, um, it's basically turning away from your life and submitting yourself to Jesus. That's the basic level of it. And everything after that is, is, you know, we, as believers, I've been a believer for, I think, 30, 30, 35 years now. I have to repent every day. It's, it's not like you stop repenting once you become a believer. You're, you're constantly, our hearts are wicked, and we constantly have to make the decision to keep changing how we do things to do things the way God wants us to. I like that distinction um, that you made between confession and repentance because we can acknowledge what we've done, but until we turn the other way and ask, and in his strength, I mean, you went to him when you wanted to quit smoking and you're like, I want to change. Will you help me in so many words? But he knew your heart until he gave you the strength to do that. And when we are not obedient, when we're believers in Christ, we have, he gives us freedom. Like we have a legal right to that freedom, but we need to be obedient to him to have the freedom. And that is, and that's in, that's what gives us freedom. And and in our flesh and in our minds as a human being, we feel like it's the opposite. Like if we can't do what we want to do, I don't have freedom. And in the kingdom of God, it is the complete opposite. He knows what's best for us when we are obedient to him and turn the other way and repent and move towards him, then we experience freedom freedom and we experience him and the bondage and the chains of the world that you were in and I've been in, then those shackles can come off, but it's only by his power. So anyways, thank you for that distinction because I think a lot of people think that they're doing that, but they're really confessing and then they don't feel free and so then they do it again and then they do it again. That's that's what I did. That's why I know this because I I couldn't... (laughs) I couldn't get over certain sins because I would keep confessing them and I would be like, okay, God, it's time for you to magically change me now. I'm supposed to be good now. I confessed it. That's not how it works. So do you think you had to, you, Ty, had to make a step 
towards that. Like you have to actually work with God in relationship. Absolutely. Yes. If, if you don't see, here's the thing, Romans 6, um, we were slaves of sin and now we are slaves of righteousness. He says, consider yourself dead to sin. Consider that that sin is dead, but now you are a, a slave of, of righteousness. It, there's no middle ground. You're either you're either a slave to what you want or you're a slave to God. And and in order to be a slave, see, we think there's a middle piece in that. We think, well, there's also a point where I'm where I'm calling the shots. There's not. If you're calling the shots, you're a slave to sin. So that's where it gets, I think that's where a lot of people get very confused. They think that um, if I'm calling the shots, then, you know, there's this middle ground where I get to choose. Am I going to obey God or am I going to obey sin? If you're calling the shots, you're, you're still a slave to sin. You need to, you need to submit your will to God. And that's where actual freedom comes. It's totally not something that we would ever think is true. Yeah. It's counterintuitive, completely counterintuitive, but it's absolutely hundred percent true. Yeah. Thank you. That's awesome. And that's why I think John the Baptist is like so excited. Um, because he knows people can be free from repentance, yes. right? And, yeah. and he, he's, fired up. he's fired up. And so what is good fruit we can exhibit today as believers in Christ? Is it the same fruit? Because it's in the Word. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the same fruit. Um, it's, been, it's been maybe um, fleshed out a little bit more. Um, yeah, and that's a big. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot to that question, and I think the the biggest thing, the number one thing that um, fruit is, okay, theologically, I guess you'd say, is um, if you want to boil it down to one word, this is what I would say, I guess, um, is is faith. It's belief. It's trust. So fruit. Um, if you, the only way that you can actually please God is by having faith. You can't please God by your works. You can't please God through doing things and, and trying to create merit through that. Um, you, it, it, it has to be through faith. And this was actually even in the Old Testament. I mean, in Genesis, um, it says Abraham believed God. It's one of the key verses of the whole Bible. Yeah. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Because he believed, because he had faith in what God was telling him, he was considered righteous. That is where salvation starts at that point is is through faith and belief in 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 Jesus. And in the New Testament, there's hundreds of verses that talk about faith, about um, believing in Christ. Um, so I think that's the um, that's the the basic first fruit that you're going to see is that if somebody's if somebody knows Christ they're going to be um, they're going to have faith they're going to have faith in Jesus and there's there's a te- um, basically the book of first John has criteria for how you would know you're even a Christian there's a lot of fruit in in all those criteria so that's another place to go if you want to know, do I have fruit in my life? You know, and we can go through a couple of those if we want, but um, you can look at First John and, it, and he like spells it out, you know, 
a lot of them. There's, there's the Beatitudes. Yeah. Um, there's the fruits of the spirit. The fruits of the spirit. There's First Corinthians, First Corinthians thirteen, uh, the the whole chapter on love. Um, if I, if I do all these things but I don't have love, you know, what good is it? Mm-hmm. Um, so all of these things are fruit that. Christians are supposed to um, express, and I would and I would add another one to that is perseverance, because there is there's there's a um, I guess a realm I don't know what you'd call it in in Christianity or in life I guess there are people who if, if there are people who profess that they're believers but then don't don't continue in their faith. And people who actually have true faith are going to continue to the end in faith. It doesn't mean that they're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that they're not going to make mistakes or even that they're not going to backtrack. But they're not going to lose their faith. It doesn't mean life's going to be easy. No, no. No, life will probably be very difficult, but God will be with you Mm -hmm. in the difficulty. And the body of Christ should be with you, but maybe they will, maybe they won't. Yeah. yeah, and that's good. And, that, and there's another distinction I want to make, like even as, because I think sometimes people think like, okay, I surrendered to Jesus, like I'm confessing, I'm repenting, I'm trying to go towards him. But like every day we need to wake up and decide because Satan's the king or the prince of this world, right? And we need to decide, are we going to serve Satan's kingdom, which is unfruitful, or are we going to serve God's kingdom? And that's why we pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray his kingdom down here. And but even as believers, so it's like, yes, we are saved and we're going to heaven. But how are we going to exhibit who he is on this earth today until we die or until he comes back? And that's perseverance. And that's difficult. But it's also we have the power in Jesus Christ to do that. But I think a lot of times we don't. And we just wake around, walk around kind of sleepwalking and like expecting everything to be hunky dory. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If I mean, if that's I, I guess I would say that I've been kind of at that place. I mean. I've always felt like I've I've wanted to um, pursue God, but there's been obviously ebbs and flows in the in that pursuit. But I think um, I think there's you know when you talk about we need to get up every morning and we need to decide are we gonna do this or do that. I think what confuses a lot of people and and causes a lot of issues is is that that idea that well I don't need to pick bo- either or I'm going to pick which one I want at the at the moment or we feels don't good. S- yeah mm-hmm. we don't say that out loud but that's really how we live we we don't we're not doing what you're saying which is I'm totally laying myself down before Jesus this day to be whatever he wants me to be that's that's very rare that that's even taught sure i i mean i have you know living sacrifice yes bev canaris i heard her preach on that the first time one of my mentors and she's on our season one of creation about being a child of god but i'll never forget the moment i heard like you know we need to wake up every day and tell god we want to be a living sacrifice for him and i'm like that just sounded super scary to me as a new believer but as I grew older in maturity it's like that is the only place you want to be right it's so it's beautiful um okay so 
John says, don't presume, John the Baptist says, don't presume to say to yourselves, now he's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees again, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able to raise up children of Abraham from these stones. John is talking about them being of Jewish descent, but that does not make them children of God just by their lineage. So can you unpack that for um for us a little bit and just like maybe how people might think that is the case today. Like my parents are believers and so I'm good or I grew up a Christian. I'm good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's a really big point. And his, his, his issue was that these, the Jewish nation took a lot of pride in their heritage. They misinterpreted the Bible to mean the Old Testament to mean that if I if I'm a Jew by birth, that means that I'm you know, I'm I'm good and I'm in God's kingdom no matter what happens. And what they didn't realize is that there's, you know, you you can't just it's not about what group you're born into or what um, group you're associated with it's about you as an individual and what you've decided as an as an individual and your actions really um you're not saved by your works but you're if if you're if you've committed your life to jesus you will have a life that is changed and that's because the holy spirit comes into your life this is one thing that i that i think is a very interesting point is when people say I don't want to become a Christian because those people can't do anything they can't they can't drink they can't smoke they can't do anything they can't dance they can't play cards just kidding they, yeah they can't <laughs> they can't do anything but that's a mentality that people think and and the the thing that that's misunderstood in that is that when you become a believer you don't want God. See, the point is that he puts his Holy Spirit into your life where he changes you so that you want to do what God wants you to do. Before you didn't. You wanted to do what you want to do that made you feel good. Once you become a believer, the Holy Spirit comes in your life and he starts making progress in your life. He starts working in your life. He changes your nature so that from now on, you would like to do, you, you have a desire. I remember, wh- why did I want to quit smoking? I never wanted to quit smoking before that. Something happened inside of me. The Holy Spirit came inside of me and changed me, and I agreed with the Holy Spirit. It's not like he dragged me over and said, you got to quit smoking. Oh, okay, I'll quit smoking. I wanted to quit smoking. He changed my nature from the inside. That's what people don't get about, about Christianity, is that they think it's about, I can't do all this stuff. No, it's about the fact that God changes you from the inside out so that you can now do what he wants you to do. You can become who he wants you to become, but you have to, you know, you have to do it. And it's only through Jesus. It's only through faith in in Christ. Um, But going back to to the thing about association with groups, that's a, that's a big thing even now i mean we if a lot of people think in their in their hearts and their minds a lot of christians do um younger christians a lot too is that if my if my parents a believer you know if i grew i grew up in a christian home you know i grew, i went to christian school um i grew up in church you know i'm good well that you're not good i mean john would say the same thing to you he would say the axe is at the root of the tree and everybody who's not producing good fruit is going to be cast into the fire. Most of the fire. 
the fire the fire what 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 do you i mean i think i think most people know what the fire is but it's hell Mm -hmm. um it's eternal it's eternal damnation it's um torment in in hell uh conscious torment in hell for eternity yes so i i think people it's very easy for people to try to instead of doing the hard work of believing and and taking you know personally making that decision they want to associate and they want to have the best of both worlds and they want to associate with groups that are in that category and say i'm part of that too but that's not what this is about you have to have a personal relationship with jesus you have to have a personal connection with him otherwise you're no different than anybody else amen and i i always think about that um when I have a conversation with someone about it, because it's like, okay, at the end of time, we nobody knows how many days we have, right? And we, none of this is going to matter then, because you're going to be face to face with him, and all the things that you thought were like okay and got you somewhere, you know, besides following him, that's the only thing that matters. But it literally will just be you and him. Yeah. No one else will be there. Like not your family, not your kids, not your friends, not your big job that you had and it will be you and your creator and so just to think have people think about like that moment like who did I serve my whole life and I have to check myself in that a lot because we can get pulled away and we can stray you know so easily and that verse that you just mentioned the axe is already at the root of the tree I mean that's just like such a powerful verse um, and that's John saying it's like you can see this axe and it's like whoa I mean it just takes one swoop and then we're gone but I think that's also a metaphor and tell me what you think of just like everyday life like we could I mean it's, God wants to cut our sin off but we have to agree with what he wants to do oh, yeah I mean yeah he he definitely does want to cut our sin off and I think I think you know like you you had we were talking earlier about um pruning um yes he does he does prune us he does if if we're producing a certain amount of fruit he prunes us back to produce more fruit and pruning isn't always the funnest thing in the world but yeah he does he does do that and the new testament talks a lot about people who um i mean not a lot but it, it, it it's clear that people who are actually children of god who have faith and belief in jesus who kind of stop you know stop putting effort into their faith and kind of coast or or have an idol in some way shape or form that god's going to discipline that person because he loves them not because he's like he wants to i mean there's no parent i mean there probably are but there's no good parents who would if their kid was going to do something that was that was harming themselves, would not do something about that. And that's what God is like. We don't like that because we're extremely selfish. We don't want what's best for us. We want what we want. Mm-hmm. God wants what's best for us. And so th- that's why, you know, we, we have to um, experience that sometimes. So what would you say to someone that says, you know, how can a lo- you're saying God's loving. How can he send people to hell? Um, I would say that... Why would God? Why would God send somebody to hell? And how does that make sense? Um, 
I guess what I would say to that is, would you? What would you do if somebody murdered one of your family members? How would you deal with that? Um, I mean, if if God, if there's no sense of justice in in the universe, and if God Himself isn't just, then He's, then how can He actually be good? Because if if somebody is committing a crime. Uh, typically, the, the the people who who come up with this argument of, you know, well, if God, I don't want to have anything to do with God because, you know, if if your God sends somebody to hell, I don't want to have anything to do with them. Typically, those people also believe that murderers and child molesters should be punished some way. And there's a total non that doesn't correlate with what they think about God. It, if God is is just, He's going to judge sin. I mean, that's you wouldn't want a God who didn't judge sin, and you wouldn't want a God who allowed murderers and rapists to go free and never be punished. I mean, they don't want that because I think the end result of that is chaos. If we had murders and rapists running all over our society, there would be people being murdered and raped all the time. Well, and that's how it is in some countries. I mean, it is yeah. right, and we look down on that, and we don't want that. So, I think I think we have to look at the whole idea of, of justice and say, okay, you know, if I can apply justice to my life and what I would like to see happen, I should definitely be able to apply that to my theology too and what I think about God. And it shouldn't be so far-fetched that there's a holy and just God who is more just because he's perfect than all of the judges on the earth and combined, you know, really. So um, that shouldn't be too surprising for us, I don't think. But I think what we have to keep in mind is that God is 100% just and there is a hell and he will send you to it. But he doesn't want you to go there. He desires no one to perish. Right. He wants them. So he created a way through his son by brutally allowing his son to be murdered in your place so that you don't have to experience that. And that's, you know, if you think about that, it's like, okay, he's just, yes, but he's also provided a way in his justice so that we don't have to experience that hell. Now it's up to you. Do you want to be a stubborn, you know, bonehead? And, and go to hell you don't have to is that what you want well that's where you'll go, where you're going to end up if you if you choose that path but there's but he he doesn't want that for you and he's created a way through his son totally just he put all the condemnation and all the sin and all the guilt on Jesus instead of you that you could be totally free of that and amen. that's your choice amen yeah. because he loves us so much right for god so loved the whole world yes Praise God. Yes. Thank you. So, Ty, how have you seen the acts ready at the root of sin in your life? As you've matured as a believer, I know you've been through some stuff. Um, so how have I, like, how do I, how do I stay away from things that I yeah. need to stay away how from? How do you cut off the sin in your how life? How do you cut off? Um... I think that's hard because it's been a it's been a journey. Um, the the biggest tool for me 
for me and not everybody's exactly the same. So I, it's, it's tough to make an absolute declaration here, but for me, the biggest, the biggest thing has been, um, understanding, understanding what the word of God actually says, kind of like that, that thing that I was mentioning earlier with the difference between repentance and, and, um, confession. Right. Because there's a lot of misunderstandings. The Bible is not an easy book to understand. It is a complicated book. It's, it's not one book, it's 66 books. And it's, it's, it's compli- it was written in a different language 2,000 years ago, and everybody knows that. But we read it in English sometimes, and we think to ourselves, oh, I understand. I get it. Yeah, that makes sense. And we might get it to an extent, but there's a lot of it we don't get. And, you know, as an example, um, about, you know, 10, 10 or so years ago, we were, you know, I, 10 or so years ago, I was an elder in a church. I was, um, you know, the, the, the boys were smaller. We had this big house in a, in a really nice community. Um, we were both working, had great jobs and kind of our, our lives kind of fell apart through some circumstances that, you know, from things that I did in the past. And um, I was doing everything right on the outside. Mm-hmm. You know, from, from, a, from an outsider's perspective, I was doing everything that I, that I should have done. But yet my life was falling apart, like literally. I wasn't sure if, I was, if, I, if we were going to have a family um, after, after everything, after the dust settled. And I, I, during that time, Something in my mind was like, okay, wait a second. I've been I've been following Jesus pretty hardcore for the last 15, 20 years. And this is where I'm ending up? That doesn't make sense to me. What am I missing? What am I missing here? And so I, de- I decided I'm, I'm going to try to figure out, am I misunderstanding something here? Because I still had a lot of questions. Like, I've, I was... I was pretty theologically literate, probably more than a lot of people, a lot of Christians, but yet this happened and I couldn't understand it. And so I went back and I started from scratch and I started, I started to investigate, um, the Bible, um, through basically through commentaries. Um, but try to figure out what this is actually saying in the in the original language and I, and I'm going to tell you the person that I was then mm-hmm. to the person that I'm that I am now is very different mm-hmm. and and back then I th- I was pretty you know hardcore about my faith I was an elder in the church I was actively involved me and uh, Carrie had were had just recently before that led the outreach and evangelism ministry in our church um, I was teaching at church at times so we we're you know we were very involved we we felt like we were doing the right things but um, what I, I think what I learned over that time is that there's you have to be really careful about what you're, how you interpret the word of God. You can't just take everybody's word for it, and you you just have to be really really careful. And there's a verse there's a verse that speaks to that that I that I have thought of and that I wanted to read. It's in Hebrews chapter two, um, and it's just even like this. I mean, we I can read this and people be like, oh yeah, I've heard that one before, you know, but. <laughs> You, that's not what it's there for. It's there because, like, you're supposed to take this seriously. Right. Like, right. and and this is in the book of Hebrews, and he says, 
we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just, just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such so great a salvation? And that's specifically talking about the gospel and the message of Christ, but it's it's a very similar thing. We have to be really careful. The the Bible is God's word, you know. So so, however we understand it is how we're going to live it out. Um, so when you ask me about uh, how do I cut sin off from my life, the that's been the biggest way is basically through understanding the word of God and what it what it really means, the best of my ability. And we have so many resources nowadays to do that. I mean, hundred years ago you'd have to know somebody if who went to to school for this or something but now we have all the resources at 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 our fingertips so all the translations of strong's concordance you know yeah we can look the greek up the hebrew yep we can do all sorts of that stuff i mean i i have a probably a 10th grade education from high school i mean i didn't go to high school i was barely there and if I can, if I can figure some of this stuff out, then I, yeah, I think anybody can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's just very important and to, to, to try to, to try to know what God's trying to say. And then just, just to be careful about who you're listening to as well, because I listen to a lot of guys and a lot of, yeah, mostly, mostly males, but females too. And the message isn't always what the Bible actually says. You got to read it for for what it meant in that time, and then after you understand what it meant at that time in that language, then you can apply it to what you're going through. Mm-hmm. You can't just open it, look at it, oh, pick, cherry pick something and apply it to yourself, like one verse. and then run yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah. I can in do context, all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. Okay. Go so, go but, jump off the building. You but know? but read the verse before that. I mean, Paul is like in plenty and in want. You know. Yes. I context is key. It's huge. Yes. Yeah. I've been in prison. I've yes. been. You know. And he's. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. But you do need it in context. Absolutely. For sure. And. Yeah. And. Um, so when, so when you say when you ask the question about how I keep from sin. It's, it's the concepts of Scripture. It's not necessarily the verses. I used to memorize verses. I don't do that so much anymore because once I understand the concepts, which are you know chapters or books, that's what's helped me to, to really go, go to the next level to where it's like, okay, I understand. I understand. I feel like I understand way more than I used to, like what it means to be dead to sin or reckon yourself dead to sin or, um, what it, what it means to, um, to cut, to cut your arm off or to pluck your eye out and things like that. I, I hey, don't, I, anyone go pluck their eye out or I, their arm. Yeah, but I still have two arms, two eyes. <laughs> Um, but look up the verse. <laughs> yeah, but but cu- but understanding the biblical concepts are the things that have helped me to be able to apply them to my life, so that I can do what God has asked me to do. Yeah, yeah. And so now He's called you to lead this group of men yes. at church, yes. and He's used your brokenness and your sin from when a long time ago, and now you get to speak life into these you know guys that are addicted to pornography mm-hmm. is that hard is that a joy is that a, just your calling 
Um, I think it's my calling. Is it... It's not as hard as I would have thought, but I don't think I ever would have figured out how to do it had I not gone through what I went through. Um, We had, Carrie and I have been, our marriage was rough from the get-go. We've been in counseling since the the beginning of our marriage. We've been through a lot of counseling. And then when all all the things that I was referring to earlier happened 10 years ago, we were back in counseling and I was in counseling a lot. And I learned through Christian, Christian counselor, Biblical not, just, Christian not counseling. just anybody, That's right. but I learned through that. Um, I learned some, some ways on how to deal with some of this stuff. And it, it's, it's basically meshing, you know, God's word with, with relationships is really what it is. It's, it's not, it's not counseling as far as like like um what you would think comes out of a counseling magazine or or psychological theory or whatever like that but it's really what helps people is basically understanding god's word um theologically and applying that in your relationships and that's what we that's basically what we do and a lot of that is really the small groups that we're in and in this ministry we have a large group and then we have small groups and the small groups you're basically living life with each other and you're not just talking about sexual sin you're you're supporting each other in all ways and i think that that's one of the huge components in Christianity that is completely missing in this day and age is that people do not want to walk. These guys, some of these guys, I I have a guy in my group who's been to prison for things that I can't really even say and sexually related. And he is experiencing freedom in many ways. Is he perfect? No, but he's experiencing major most freedom that he has in his life we'll we'll put it that way and it's not because there's magic to this group it's because he has people investing in him and if he needs to call them in the middle of the night or if he needs to text we have a group chat if there's people answer and they say i'm praying for you and and you know what do we need to do to get this guy free what do we need to do that's what we're all asking ourselves and because of that guys are getting free of sexual sin and it's um it's not magic. It's just applying the things that God has told us to do, applying it to real life. Um, and I think one of those aspects that we really miss in, in our in our Christianity today is the community aspect yeah. and, and sticking with it through difficult times. Yeah. A lot of Christians are like, oh, this is hard. You know, this guy's got a lot of issues. Um, he needs a counselor. Well, no, I don't know if he needs, I mean, he might need you. He might need a counselor too, sure. but he needs you right so it's kind of annoying that i had to pay 120 dollars for five years of counseling i think the church should be doing that i think the church should be doing i don't think i don't think there should be any counselors i think that's the church should be counseling the people in the church Church should be counseling people in church we should be good at it Mm -hmm. because we're doing it Mm -hmm. i think you used to have that when you had families that were closer and tight-knit we our families are are total disasters right now and we don't have people around us who can help us yeah and satan loves to break up the family yes yeah through addiction porn and all those things yes and accountability would be the other thing to helping me stay away from sin is those community relationships well and i i I always say god never wastes the suffering and he didn't waste it in your life because even i believe when we 
are helping other people and using the things that we've been through that were super hard that we even get more free. And so I can see you even in, you know, the last five years, you know, and we don't spend a lot of time together because we don't live in the same city. But when we're together, I see you even being more in love with God, even more free and just more who God intended for you to be before the foundations of the earth. And because you've been through so much. And so I'm just so grateful for that. And I'm so thankful that um, I'm going to cry because you're my brother. But just that I'm so grateful that he's using you in that way to speak truth into other people and these men that are super broken. I mean, when you're talking about a guy in prison, and I've been to prison not because I did something wrong, but just, you know, talking to these women here but there's some there's some crazy stuff that goes on and so that you can be in this group with him and you see him getting free that is a miracle and that is only from god and the only reason why i can do that is 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 because i am broken i mean i'm so broken that when i see these i really i I was always broken everybody's broken if you think you're not broken you're deluded and we're so broken that we don't see our brokenness and once god breaks you to the point where you see your brokenness then you look around you and you're like i everybody else is too and i need to do something you know i mean if you have anything inside of you you want to help you want to help you you want to just commiserate in some ways but you also want to help people to to experience freedom and so yes god and and all of that comes back to god because he didn't give up on me i mean if if i had it if i was thinking the way that i think god should think i would have gotten rid of me a long time ago because i've made so many mistakes and sinned i would have been like this guy is never going to make it anywhere he's never going to do anything Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying i'm doing a lot i'm just saying that God doesn't give up. When I was drinking after I had stopped drinking and I went back to drinking, he didn't give up and say, well, he screwed up too many times. Get rid of him, you know, ax him off. <laughs> um, he could have, but he didn't. And I think God is extremely compassionate. He wants us to repent. He wants us to change. He wants us to get it. And he's he's very patient um so but don't don't abuse his patience because he will he will take it to a place that you don't want to go so just will just do it you know don't be surrender yeah surrender amen so i was going to ask you what um verse in the bible really strengthens you on your daily walk but maybe it's a whole book (laughs) yeah that's what i was gonna say it's not a verse i mean i don't know it's it changes i feel like it changes a lot of times it's it's whatever i'm looking at at the time like romans 6 i've been looking at recently and and that really helped me with um the whole concept of who am I going to serve? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, wake up every morning. Who are you going to serve today? Yeah. And just for people to get a perspective, the Word of God is incredibly important for you. It's, it's your lifeline. It should be all of our lifelines. How much time do you spend in the Word every day? On average. Um, on a good day, I would say... Um, on a good day, I would say, you know, anywhere from two to three hours because in the morning I wake up and I do, but then at night um, I will too on a good day. On a bad day, zero. Yeah. I mean, that happens too. Well, but I try, I think average, on average, it's probably about, it's probably a, 
you know, it, it ranges anywhere from a half, probably about a half hour to an hour on average. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. But you crave it. So, I mean, if you miss a day, there's grace all over that. But yes. then, you know, yes. you know, you're going to go back to that because that's what yes. your heart. God knows our heart. Yes. Yeah. Well, thanks for being here, Ty. Is there anything else you want to tell our listeners about the word of God or about your story? Oh, boy. No, <laughs> um, I don't. I, I mean, there's so much, but I think that we covered a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and um yeah, I think we did. And I just want to, I do have one more small question for you. You know, even as believers, we can wake up every morning and, and Satan knows the temptation that um, has worked before. Yeah. Do you have any tools to tell people like, you know, he knows what you've been through before, what you're free from. You went back to drinking once, but is there a, like, again, who am I serving today? God's kingdom or Satan's kingdom? Is there something that you do if you hear that voice that is telling you do this or go into temptation? Is there any practical tools? Um, yeah, for me, what works for me, and again, you know, I think I think everybody actually is different. God created everybody different, so it's not going to be always the same for everybody. But for me, um, if I'm sensing a temptation in a, in an, in an area that um, I need to not allow into my life, um, I I basically come up with a with a plan, and the plan is is like it's a real it's not like uh oh well i'm not gonna do that it's like okay what do i need to do to make sure that this does not happen sure and so that can take time like call someone have people hold you accountable what are you talking about um mostly yeah i mean that can be part of the plan it can be as it can be huge um depending on the issue yeah if it's something if it's a something that i'm gonna have to be accountable to somebody absolutely i need i need to i need to call this person i need to do this i need to do that a lot of the times for me it's it's up here it's in my heart and in my head and what am I going to focus on like what's my plan to focus on the things that God wants me to focus on today and not to be distracted by all of the things that are going to come my way and try to distract me because in the middle of the day I can't make uh, 500 phone calls every time I'm going to have a temptation I need to make I need to I need to know how to be able to submit myself to God in such a way have a plan of action that a battle plan of action that if if I do encounter something and I fail first thing I I ask myself is okay what do I need to change what do I need to change so that never happens again Mm. and then I start making those changes and that's part of repentance Mm -hmm. you know Lord I've I've please forgive me that I did that I take responsibility for it because that's that's part of it please forgive me that I did that and please help me to to change so that that doesn't happen again. And then I start, then I start putting time and effort into making those changes, and that is that has been the most successful um, way for me to to um, avoid sin and temptation. Yeah. Yeah. And being tempted doesn't mean you sin. Right. So yes. that's let's make that clear. But, but is if you follow up, right? But as the temptations come, having a plan of what you're going to do when they come, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yep. Okay, that's yep. another podcast too. Spiritual warfare. It's coming up. Armored. Okay. Thanks for being here, Ty. Thank you for your wisdom. Um, can I pray for you and our listeners before we go? <laughs> 
Father God, I thank you and praise you so much that uh, you love us so much, God, that you are our Abba, Father, that um, you sent your son Jesus to die on behalf of all of us um, for our sins, God, and that Jesus took the penalty, all of it, all of our sin, all of our iniquity is on him. Um, and you see us as righteous, Lord, when we... Um, when we come before you, if you come back or if we die before that, Lord. So we praise you and thank you, God, that you desire no one should perish and that you love us that much that you want a relationship with us uh, that is full of life and that you've given us your word, God, to live by and to be encouraged by. And I thank you for Ty. Thank you that he's here, Lord. And thank you for his wisdom and his love of you, his love of the Bible, how he speaks truth into so many people. Lord, would you bless him in all of his ministries and especially the one um, with these sweet men that are trying to be free from pornography and addiction. Lord, I praise you for what you're doing in their life and may your Holy Spirit work in them in a mighty way. And God, I pray for our listeners. If there is someone listening that has not surrendered their life to you, I pray today they say, God, I want to turn from my sin, turn the other way and run towards you, God, with their arms wide open um, through the power and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. And for those of us that have already done that, but are not choosing to live in your kingdom every day, Lord, and wake up and, and listen to the schemes of the enemy and the lies that he's trying to tell us, Lord, may we stop and may we choose and ask the Holy Spirit to help us walk in the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God so we can bear fruit, God, for, um, for your glory. May you be glorified through all of this. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.